I tend to see a lot of the spontaneity of the seven. Is that a word? Don't you mean spontaneity? Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. I'm from the Midwest. (laughs) Sorry. I just, when some people like slightly mispronounce a word, then I see it misspelled in my head. (laughs) Well, I also can't spell, so it's fine. I'm not trying to highlight whether you can spell or not. I'm only saying that I saw the word spontaneity in my head spelled N-O-O in the middle. That was very funny. Welcome to Real Tokyo. I'm Angie. I'm Jamie. This is a podcast about the quirks and quandaries of life in Tokyo and life in general. We want to thank you in advance for hanging out with us today and remind you that you can always find us on all major streaming platforms except for not Google Play because that's not a thing in Japan. Sorry. Make sure to share with your friends and leave us a rating on iTunes because that's how we get the word around. This is episode 9, Descriptions. In this episode, of course, we'll talk about Tokyo stuff and quirks and quandaries, as usual. But also, we'll expand on the Enneagram by talking about wings and triads. What is your quirk? My quirk this week, I hope it's related to life in Tokyo, but I'm not 100% sure. I also think it could just be related to go going to fancy restaurants that sell a lot of alcohol and I'm not used to doing that and so I don't understand protocol Mm -hmm. but this is a thing that happened yesterday my friend was here visiting from Australia with her daughter and her daughter is a musician that word is so hard to say a musician (laughs) and she was doing a little live performance at a restaurant so my friend invited me which was great and her singing was great. Maybe I even would play a little clip of it at some point here. But um, the thing that happened was when I was on the way to the restaurant, I it, I had quite a long walk and I was fine with that. But I got thirsty. I stopped in a convenience store and I bought something to drink. But then I was also in a hurry to quickly get to the restaurant. So I didn't drink it while I was walking. I just mm-hmm. had it in my bag. Then, when I got to the restaurant, she had already started um, playing and singing and, like, Mm -hmm. presenting her songs. And so, it wasn't a good time for me to order something to drink. Mm. Also, the main uh, host, hostess, I don't want to call her hostess in a weird sense, but there was this lady who was kind of running everything. And she never came and asked me if I wanted something to drink. And I just didn't understand how the place operated, but I was so thirsty. So I got this bottle out of my bag and I started drinking this Mm -hmm. water that I had bought when I was on my way there. That was fine. But later in the evening, like almost when I was going to leave, I still really hadn't had anything to drink. And then like four hours have passed by. Right. And so... I happened to open my bag to look for something else, and I saw that this bottle of water that I hadn't completely finished was still there, so I took it out and started drinking it while the lady who was running the place was, like, standing really close to me. Well, then she got triggered by me drinking this water that I had brought in, and she was, like, chastising me and saying, you know, you need to pay me because you're drinking that, and you should be ordering, like... 
you're in a restaurant. That's, I don't know. Like, yeah. no matter how much I speak Japanese, sometimes in these kind of moments, I can't pick up. Like, she took me off guard, so I couldn't even really pick up exactly what she said. Right. It felt like she was saying, here you are in a restaurant, and so that's so, like, not allowed or just, I don't know, rude. Like, right. you shouldn't be drinking something that you brought when you could have ordered something here. Mm-hmm. But I was so shocked because I wasn't doing it to right. offend her. I just was more feeling like the number of times you've asked me if I wanted to buy something to drink from you is zero. And I've been here for at least three or four hours. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sure some of it was a function of me being at nine, but I just got like disproportionately upset. And then I really felt like... I can't be having this conflict with this lady. I don't want to pay her so that I can drink my bottle of stuff. But I also didn't want to order a drink from her because I was about to leave. Right. So I didn't want to pay five or 600 yen for a little glass of something that I would have to put back like a shot. Right. So in the end, to satisfy myself, I gave her 100 yen. Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, that. I think she was a little, like, it took me a few minutes to think about it and decide what I wanted to do. So by the time I gave it to her, she seemed, like, very bewildered. But I just told her, like, I don't want to feel like you're mad at me. And I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to offend you. And here you go, 100 yen. I think she was like, okay, you're a weirdo. But whatever. I don't know if that's quirk is too oddly specific. And I don't even, I don't know if that's Tokyo related or if that's like some fancy restaurant unspoken rule that I didn't ever know about before. I mean, it could go towards the quirk in Japan of how many restaurant rules there are. Whoa. Which is like a whole episode, really. <laughs> that is a whole episode. Write that we down. We all get like triggered when you say something <laughs> like that because. We had an instance, but we'll have to talk about that another time. I mean, are you thinking of the one that I'm thinking of? Yes. Because that's probably the main reason why I was so triggered, because I just felt like, when am I getting in trouble left and right wherever I go? <laughs> I'm trying to just carry on as normal, but then somehow I'm doing the wrong thing. But then all I of a sudden know. you have to sit down upstairs and not be able to order what you want. Yes. There you go. Great yeah. example. Um, my quandary, uh, sorry, what is your quandary? <laughs> my quandary, uh, oh, you, you know, don't have a quandary? Well, the one quandary I thought of is not Tokyo related at all, oh. but it's one that has been be... on my mind for several weeks, so I feel like I should just say Okay, it. it could be a life quandary, and should we even spend any time talking about how we had a perfectly good Tokyo-related quandary all set up the other day, but can either of us remember what it was? <laughs> no, we cannot. Um, I'm actually surprised at myself that this hasn't happened, but, like, when is the first time... Great, I said, like... It's okay. <laughs> when is the first time... I'm going to cry while we're recording. Whoa. I'm really surprised it hasn't happened already, That's actually. more like a podcast quirk. <laughs> Wait. Ooh. Are you on quirk or quandary? Quandary. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I <laughs> can't <laughs> keep those two straight. Okay. Because I said wonder. Wonder is a quandary word. I wonder if. 
Okay, sure. <laughs> You're right. Anyway, I wonder when. You just generally blew my mind so much that I couldn't even pull it <laughs> together to respond. I mean, I'm just, <clears throat> after how many hours we've discussed things, I'm really, really surprised that I haven't cried. Not to say that there hasn't been crying in the last several weeks, but... I mean, if you want to talk about all the crying, you can. Sure. No, no, no. Okay. That's okay. Okay. I didn't have that much crying. P.S. I didn't have that much crying. But I had a little bit. Yeah. Here and there. It's just, it's that time of year. Whoa. (laughs) Right. For all the crying. Yes. Okay. Today, we're talking about triads and wings. I also, as I was doing some research, um, I was also thinking we could just mention the levels of development too. What? Okay. Like health, average, um, unhealthy. Oh, okay. From the Enneagram Institute. Sure. Uh, I can talk about that a little bit. Actually, this is one of the One of the things that, to me, that distinguishes the Enneagram from other uh, personality typing systems and, you know, human nature categorization Mm -hmm. is that um, in the Enneagram, not only would each person have a number, which is their type, but then also within that type... If you could imagine a more, like, 3D situation going on, there's different levels of how the person is doing, Um, not only emotionally, but just probably, like, overall state of well-being. Like, Mm -hmm. is the person doing well? I think the standard um, labels that the Enneagram Institute puts on it are, like, healthy... Average, average and unhealthy. Um, so I think that's very interesting. I feel that's a more accurate reflection of human experience. Like yeah. even in a day, even in the matter of a few hours, um, you know, you could kind of pass through different states of emotional well-being, I'm sure that sounds a little exaggerated, like you don't want to be that unstable, but there are times, especially um, things are going on in someone's life, something happens unexpectedly, or whatever, uh, and you have a lot of, you just have ups and downs. Um, So I really appreciate that aspect of the Enneagram, and I find that to be one of the really great places where you can find inspiration for growth, that it gives you something to aspire to. Once you've identified your type, then it's usually relatively easy to, I mean, you have to get over your initial initial, um, hesitation about being so honest with yourself about Mm -hmm. who you are and that's pretty hard that's work unto itself but um it's often pretty easy if you read through the levels these well-being health levels you can usually see like oh wow okay I'm usually average there's nothing wrong with being average but if you're usually functioning at average 
what would it be like for you if you could um, improve the way you're operating in the world and move up a level and, you know, operate in a more kind of healthy, um, healthy state, according to this list. Um, I'm well aware this thing is not science. It's also like not the Bible, the gospel or anything, but I just think as a general guideline for what you could expect from yourself if you were able to work on different things that are going on, then that's great to have something to aim at instead of just feeling so general about, oh, I wish I was doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it also, I think, at least it's helped me when I've heard, uh, like, a person is this particular number, and then my initial reaction might be, what? Mm. But then thinking of this, of the levels of development, they really could be that number. They're just at maybe more of an unhealthy state. Um, And so I think that's also something that's really interesting to look into because especially when you're in, like, more of that healthy state or when you're in more of that unhealthy state, you're going to start taking on those healthy and unhealthy characteristics of your wings and of your stress and health number. So that also kind of leads into what we're about to talk about. So Hmm. perfect segue, unexpected segue. Whoa, good job. Should we talk about triads next or wings? Um, I think that wings are a little well no triads triads are better yeah let's talk about triads okay there are three triads um that means three categories that the numbers fall into um these are the categories that enneagram institute uses but a lot of different enneagram parishioners (laughs) (laughs) will have their own name for each of these um, triads. Five <laughs> parishioners. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I'm just gonna. I, in the Enneagram parish. Great. It's great. Okay. Sorry. Okay. In the thinking sorry, triad. Continue. Continue. <laughs> in the thinking triad, you have five, six, and seven. In the feeling triad, you have two, three, and four. And in the instinctive triad, you have eight, nine, and one. Each of those triads then also has a basic feeling that they tend to either cover up or... I'm just going to read this right off of the Enneagram Institute's page. So, credit to the Enneagram Institute. Thank you, Enneagram Institute, and please don't come after us. We're sorry. We don't know what we're doing. Wait, what? Don't say that! (laughs) (laughs) We know just enough to be dangerous. We like to live on the edge sometimes. <laughs> Whoa. A six being so daring. Um, each type results from a particular relationship with a cluster of issues that characterize that center. Most of these issues revolve around a powerful, largely unconscious emotional response. So these are the emotional responses that you have if you're in that triad, usually, okay, is what they're saying. Thinking triad, so again, that's five, six, and seven. Usually it's fear. Uh, the feeling triad, two, three, and four, is shame. 
and the instinctive triad, eight, nine, and one, it's anger or rage. True. What would you like to add? I feel like it would be most appropriate if I just started raging, but <laughs> I don't I don't have anything to rage about right now, so. Mm. But true. I guess, well, that actually shows often that's the emotion that's, like, hiding underneath. Right. And then, in some way, the person is either... Trying to cover it up. Trying to, yeah, right. Letting it out to, like, yeah, it's either facing outward facing inward, or hidden. Mm-hmm. And then that's what shows your type. Yeah. So, for example, in 8, 9, and 1, 8s would tend to direct their anger out. 9s mm-hmm. would tend to pretend like it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Personal experience. 1s <laughs> would tend to turn it on themselves. Mm-hmm. And so on. And in the thinking triad, 5s, so that's fear... Fives tend to um, express that outward. Sixes tend to go inward. And sevens tend to pretend it's not happening. Sevens have fear about their inner world. Yes. So run away. Yes. Fives have fear about the outer world and their capacity to cope with it. They cope with their fear by withdrawing from the world. Sixes exhibit the most fear which causes them to be the most out of touch with their own sense of confidence. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Well, no, it's just the thing that you're out of... Okay, the emotion... Uh, what am I trying to say? The the deep underlying emotion that the those types are struggling with um, is not necessarily the thing that they are hiding. Yeah. It could be that emotion is causing them to hide something else. Right. Right? Um, so twos, threes, and fours are working with shame. So uh, twos try to control their shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, if other people like them and their relationships are going well, then they can convince themselves that they don't need to feel shame. Right. Uh, Threes deal with their shame by just ignoring it and pretending it's not there. Mm -hmm. And that's then... uh, And then they turn to being more Mm performance-oriented. Fours turn... So I guess it's twos are out, threes are are hidden. hidden, and then fours... Uh, turn shame on themselves Mm -hmm. and uh, keep busy trying to convince themselves or not convince themselves because everybody is special but they uh, become overly focused on I am very special and etc. Yeah. Yes. Um, What were your feelings when you found out what triad you were in? I wasn't that interested in being a nine because I thought it sounded really boring. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh actually, if I have to pick one between 
finding out I'm a nine in general or finding out the thing that nines deal with is anger, Mm -hmm. I would say I was not that surprised to find out that nines deal with anger by pretending it's not there. Mm -hmm. That, That one didn't surprise me as much as when I started to realize that I identified strongly with nine, then I didn't appreciate that, which is, I think, is a pretty typical response. Right. (laughs) I, it's been a long time since I took a test, so I couldn't say with strong certainty which exact numbers came up for me. Right. But I think I was pretty close with nine and seven, Mm -hmm. and so for a long time I wanted to tell myself seven Mm -hmm. because, excuse me. Um, seven just sounds better to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the one that you're not always sounds better to you, right? Right, exactly. The thing is, too, like, if you just understand it on a very surface level, um, and you look at the needs of each type, sevens need to avoid pain. Right. Nines need to avoid. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there is some bit of Venn diagram situation yeah. going on. For sure. In that sense. Yeah. What about you? What did you think? Um, I remember thinking that's boring because... <laughs> with being a six and struggling with fear? <laughs> yes, because okay. six's core, uh, core fear is fear itself. Mm. And so then I was like, I already have one label of fear. Now I have to have two. Oh. I'm in the fear, or I'm in the thinking triad, so fear is also another part of that. And I think, again being a six, I don't like to admit that fear is the root of a lot of things. Mm, mm-hmm. And so I was like, one, that's boring, and two, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. Something uh, that's a big, another big part of the Enneagram system is a thing called wings and people often seem to be confused by it. Um, I feel like once you get a better grasp of it, it's pretty easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you imagine the Enneagram symbol, which I feel like we haven't talked about the symbol that much, but there's a symbol with the numbers going around it. It kind of almost looks like a clock. But instead of having 12 points, of course, it only has nine. And nine is at the top and six is at the bottom. And then the others are kind of arranged around either side. And we could maybe talk about the symbol more later because there are some lines that go across it and things pointing in different directions that have meaning. But the reason I'm asking you to imagine the symbol is because wings will always be the types that are immediately next to who you are. So, for example, if you're a two, you can't be a two wing seven. Right. That sounds... Though everybody wants to be a wing seven. (laughs) I mean, being a two wing seven sounds awesome. It does. Seven wing two also sounds really good. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's not a thing. If you're a two, you can only be a two wing three or a two wing one because... One and three are next to two. Wow. I feel I taught you something you didn't know. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm not trying to talk down to you, 
all three of you listeners. <laughs> or should I upgrade that to 10? Or more. Or more. Moving on. <laughs> we have so many listeners now. Thank you so much. Share with your friends. Share we don't with have your friends. Many. Share with your friends. We Yeah, we don't. We don't. And also rate us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, right. Because that's how the word gets out and we start trending. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, one thing that's very interesting about wings is... A lot of the things that I've read about the Enneagram say that when you're younger in your life, maybe in your 20s, early 30s, you would probably have a strong tendency to lean towards one side or the other, and you really wouldn't identify that much with the one on the other side. Mm -hmm. But part of maturing in life is to be able to come to more of a balance. Mm -hmm. So you could see that in, as a person is getting older, they might start to develop more characteristics that would go with their wing on the other side. So let's say someone is, I mean, saying someone is kind of boring. Okay, let's take you for an example. If you feel like right now you're young, you're 24, for Almost now. 25. Almost 25. <laughs> Woo! Uh, then you're pretty a pretty strong six wing seven. Yeah. But I wouldn't identify at all with a five at this point. I mean, I can kind of, like, I think there's definitely instances, especially when I am in the thinking mode and analyzing mode about something. Then I could I could see that, but well, another thing I think we can say about that though is, I think it's a little different depending on where your number is falling. Both right. of us have numbers that fall right in the middle of our triad. Right. So it means, for you, whether you're leaning towards six wing seven or you're kind of tipping over towards six wing five. There's always a lot of thinking happening. There's always a lot of thinking happening. <laughs> and I could say the same thing. No matter I'm nine wing eight or I really feel I have not seen this happening yet, but I've become more of a nine <laughs> wing one, I'm still full of anger all the time. <laughs> How wonderful. <laughs> well, so that's, uh, if that makes sense, though, that's why uh, the wing thing becomes a little bit more interesting actually if you are one of the numbers that's on the edge of the yeah. triad mm-hmm. and that's why I wanted to talk about the triad first. Yeah. No, so for example uh, I think you can hear more about this on Typology mm-hmm. and also on Suzanne uh, Stabile's podcast The Enneagram Journey which is really good um, and I've heard both of them I really feel bad that I can't name the exact episode where I heard this but it struck me They were talking about, whoever this was, was talking about um, being a five, it's either a five wing four or a four wing five, or maybe Mm -hmm. both of them. That person is on the edge, it's either they're on the edge of a feeling triad with a thinking wing, or they're on the edge of a thinking triad with a feeling wing, Yeah. so that would make for a it's a lot of emotions it's a lot right it's well it makes for generally a pretty intense person yeah however that 
section of the Enneagram would also tend to be more probably filled up with people who are introverts. Right. I would venture to guess that a lot of, like, poets and musicians are around there Mm -hmm. in this four-wing five, five-wing four kind of space. And another place where you can see that is at um, seven-wing eight Mm -hmm. or eight-wing seven, where the person is on the edge of uh, thinking and um, intuition. Yeah. And, um, you know, working with having a high level on either one of those. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think the wing, the wing thing is like really fun and interesting to talk about. But I also think if you're interested in the Enneagram, but you don't feel like doing a super deep dive into it the way that we are. It's not as important. No. I've also heard that said. Like, if yeah. you don't have energy for learning every little detail of the entire Enneagram system, then I would encourage you to just kind of take the wing thing and lay it on the side. Yeah. Um, because it's more helpful, to, like, as a developmental tool, personal growth developmental kind of thing, it's more interest, not interesting, it's more helpful to be very familiar with your main type. Right. I have a question, but before the question, uh, there was a meme that I ran across on one of the many Enneagram uh, things on Instagram. Um, It was for a six-wing seven, And I believe it's a clip from uh, New Girl and the TV show. And I don't know what the character's name is because I didn't watch very much New Girl. But uh, this is supposed to be a six-wing seven. And it said, I just panicked and ordered $200 worth of Chinese food. (laughs) And when I read that, I laughed out loud because Jamie can attest (laughs) to... Especially if I'm feeling super emotional about something, um, I tend to order takeout and probably spend too much on takeout. But that's it now. I 2,000 yen of Mick delivery, guys. <laughs> okay, I, it's Just only 1,200 now. Whoa, what? What happened? <laughs> I guess maybe I was over-exaggerating, which, why would that ever happen with me? <laughs> <laughs> right, over-exaggerating. You would never do that. Never. <laughs> Recovering theater kid. Mm. Um, But now that it's kind of funny, like I think it's funny, that automatically when I think I should order delivery, the last time I thought that, I was like, wait a second, like, you're actually upset about something and you're trying to ignore it. Mm. And because you, you're you moving into that nine of not wanting to do anything, mm-hmm. that you don't want to cook, so you might as well get delivery, but you're also not dealing with your emotions. Mm. And so the last time I ordered delivery, I was like, oh, yeah, it's funny that I actually go to that, but that's actually a really good indicator for me to be like, what are you upset about? Because you probably have something to deal with, Mm -hmm. which I thought has been an interesting thing that I've learned recently. Thanks, Enneagram. 
Wow, that's good. Um, my question was, what is an instance you saw a strong representation of your wing? Um, I think it I... doesn't have to be recently. It can be whenever. Did I tell this story on the podcast? This whole kata karate equipment no. story. Uh uh-uh. uh. All right, I don't want to bore you because I'm sure you. No, heard I'm not it, bored. But... I'm fine. Wow. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Thanks for your patient listening. <laughs> So there was this thing recently where my youngest daughter wanted to join um, karate and start going for lessons. And so I signed her up to go to this place that's popular around here. A lot of kids from her school and also kids from our school, just general kids in the neighborhood like to go to this karate place. So I was debating, should I sign her up for the lessons that the meet once a week, which was about 6,000-ish yen. That's maybe like $55. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, American dollars. Um, or if I was willing to pay more like 8,500 yen, this is every month, then, which is what, $75 yeah. maybe? $70, $75. If I was willing to bump it up a little bit, then she would be eligible to go as many times in a week as she would like. And they have Mm. lessons available for elementary school kids almost every day. So I asked her what she wanted to do. And I said, hey, this is going to be a good deal for me. I'm willing to pay this higher price, even if you only go twice a week. Um, That'll be great. And, you know, it looks like it's fun. What do you want to do? So she said, sure. So I signed her up for this multiple times a week level And then I started trying to have her go to these classes. And I don't know, part of it was probably on me that I hadn't read the information carefully. I'm not really sure, but a a couple of weeks went by and I felt like almost every day I would say to her, are you going to go to karate today? And then... Some of the days she had something else going on, like she had to go to her piano lessons, she had to go to the pool or whatever, but then I I realized after a couple weeks, I would ask her, are you going to go? And then she would say, I can't go to that class because I need some special equipment for that class and I don't have it. And I was slow to clue in, but I finally clued in like, okay, I guess we have to get this special equipment. So I told her can you please tell your teacher that you want to get this special equipment and here's some money. I think it was maybe like $60. Um, and can you please buy the equipment? And then I'm also like feeling super restless, uh, because she doesn't have the equipment. She's only going once a week, even though I'm paying this other price. The point is because she needed all this extra equipment and then the process of getting the equipment both cost me more and took several weeks longer because they didn't tell you right away how, what everything you needed was Well, that either. was that was exactly it. Like it was just that was the trigger. That yeah, and there was just like a lot of it felt like not good communication and like lack of information and stuff. So, let me get to the point of the story. The eight part of the story is that finally I went into the place with her and I said to this teacher, which I actually found scary to do, but I was determined because that's how upset I was about it. 
to go in there and communicate with him about, look, I feel like you should give back my money. Like, give me back the difference between uh, the going once a week rate versus the going multiple times a week rate because she's only been able to go once a week since she hasn't been able to have this equipment because you never told me at the very beginning, by the way, I need to get this equipment. So... I'm sharing this story as an example, though, because even though I felt kind of nervous about saying that, and then, because this is how much I don't like conflict, even though I probably was basically talking to him in a normal voice, I felt like I was yelling at him. Yeah. I really don't think I actually was, but I just felt like I was. Yeah. Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. So, he didn't really do a lot for me on the spot, so that was not very satisfying, but I still... Felt like, okay, you know what? The important thing is that I communicated and I expressed the thing that I wasn't satisfied with and then what else can I do? That's fine. But then I was so happy that I had done that because the next time she had an opportunity to go to her lesson, she came back and she said, guess what? My teacher wrote me, a teacher, she means her karate teacher, wrote you a letter and he gave me a present. And I was like, what? What does that mean? So I read what he wrote, and he wrote me this letter, and he said that because I had given that feedback, they decided to change all of their materials. Whoa! Yeah, so they re- awesome. they rewrote their um, their main informational page. They rewrote it, and they put that information on the very top. Wow. And they also, like, made sure that they wrote that in a prominent place on their website. I don't know. I haven't gone and looked at their website yet, but that's what he said in this letter. And then this is the only part that I didn't find as satisfying. Like, I was really happy he wrote me that letter. and He went to the trouble to change all this information. But he didn't give my money back. And instead, yeah. this present that he gave her is this, like, it's super hard to describe. It's this little strap thing, and you put it around your karate belt across the place where you tie it so that it won't come untied. Oh, well. Which sounds like, (laughs) right? Yeah, it it is useful, and because I had already spent all this, what felt to me like extra money on this equipment, I don't think I would have been in any big hurry to buy this little strap for her. Yeah, but she does actually find it useful. So in that sense, it was nice that he gave it to her. Yeah. I again, I apologize because that was an overly long and detailed (laughs) story, but that happened quite recently, and I felt yeah really good about taking that risk. Mm-hmm. Woo! Woo! And you? Um, I was trying to think, like, of a specific instance, but I think mine's always more in general. I tend to see a lot of the spontaneity of the seven. Is that a word? Don't you mean spontaneity? S- yeah. <laughs> Whatever, I'm from the Midwest. <laughs> Sorry, I just, when some people, like, slightly mispronounce a word, then I see it misspelled in my head, and it makes me laugh. Well, I also can't spell, so it's fine. I'm not trying to highlight whether you can spell or not. I'm only saying that I saw the word spontaneity in my head spelled N-O-O in the middle, and that was very funny. Mm, That is funny. Okay, come on. Sorry. Carry on with your story about spontaneity. <laughs> um but it's also interesting because it really does relate back to I tend to only be spontaneous if 
it's a person that I feel very loyal to. Um, if they ask me to do something, I'm more likely to drop whatever I'm doing and go with them. Want to go to the laundromat in five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Which has happened many times. Real life example. <laughs> Except it takes me way longer than five minutes to get ready to go so to I the al- laundromat. So I always know I have at least ten. <laughs> yeah, or an hour. <laughs> but it's, it is really interesting because... I, I wouldn't say I'm a spontaneous person unless it's in, like, a whole group of people are going somewhere, like, out to lunch or something like that, and they're like, hey, do you want to go to lunch? I'm like, oh, sure, like, people, um, extrovert, yes. But if it's a one-on-one thing and I don't feel as close with that person, I can usually find a way to get out of it because I don't feel that loyal to that person. So, I'm really only spontaneous with people that I feel close to. Hmm. But also the distractible side of seven, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, when I'm healthy, I'm very distractible. I just dug in my email and found, like, ten any of thoughts that I haven't read. Whoa. Okay, it's fine. That's... If you're interested, Enya Thought is from the Enneagram Institute. It's their daily um, Enya Thought about your number, if you want to subscribe to that. It's some days I'm like, meh, that was really general. And then some days it's like exactly what you need, and then you start crying. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. That hasn't happened yet, but it's come close. Um, just some other, there's lots of great, if you search Enneagram on Instagram, um, there's lots of fun, uh, Enneagram Instagram accounts out there, and a lot of them will have memes about, like, different wings and your type, and I think it's just a fun way to think about the Enneagram, too, because I feel like Especially recently, there's been a lot of serious talk about the Enneagram, and so it's really fun to just hop on there and be able to laugh at yourself and also be able to recognize other others, too. So, Definitely. there's lots of great Instagram accounts. Are we going to link to some of them? Or? Yeah, we can link to some of them. Okay, great. Let's do that. Okay. We mean to you. I think that's it. So, bye! Bye. That's all for this time, everyone. What are your recent quirks or quandaries? Tokyo-related or not, let us know on Instagram at 2RealTokyo. That's T-O-O Real Tokyo. You can follow Angie on Instagram at photofreak, P-H-O-T-O-F-R-E-E-K. And you can follow Jamie on Instagram at jamieintyo, that's J-A-M-I-E-N-T-Y-O. Bye! Bye!